0: This is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Season 7 and Fun Ideas Podcast number 217. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Freaky Magazine. I contribute material to every issue, so give it a try. Hey kids, have you read Freaky? The magazine of weird humor for freaks like you. Freaky Magazine is a... Way out collection of weirdo comics, kooky gags, photo funnies, social satire, and surreal collage. 52 pages of insanity in the tradition of magazines of yore like Cracked, Blah, and Zap. Special offer for fun ideas listeners get a free sample copy in the mail, made of smelly newsprint and smudgy ink the old fashioned way. Just message your mailing address to The Slow Poisoner gmail.com that's the slow poisoner at gmail.com while supplies last.
1: You remember them from your childhood. Cat for the friendly ghost, Richie Rich, Hot Stuff, Baby Huey, Sad Sack and Little Audrey. You read them in comic books and saw them on television and in the movies. Now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions, The Best of Harveyville Fun Times and The Harvey Comic Companion. Both are available from Amazon. The Companion is also available from Fair Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself.
0: Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. The revised second edition of my Monkeys book with Michael A. Ventrella called Long Title, Stars of Walt Disney Productions, and Pac-Man, the first animated TV show based upon a video game, are my latest books out now. Unconditionally Mad and Not Just Happy Together the Turtles book are in production. I'm also working on my TV Cartoons the Time Forgot book, plus articles on cancelled Harvey titles and making contributions to Freaky Magazine. On today's show, we have the author of fact, fictions, and the forbidden predictions of the amazing Criswell. Here he is, Ed Canfield. Hi, this is Mark Arnold with another episode of Fun Ideas Podcast, and today we have an author who's written a book about the amazing Criswell. (laughs) This is Ed Canfield. How are you, sir?
1: Doing well. How are you?
0: I'm doing well too. So, why Criswell?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) well, um, around you know late '90s, year 2000. I had learned of him through the Plan 9 from Outer Space, Ed Wood's Plan 9 from Outer Space, uh, because he does the intro there and then narrates the whole movie. And then uh, the film Ed Wood, Tim Burton's Ed Wood biography, uh, he was featured in that as well. And um, I just thought, hey, that guy's kind of nutty, kind of wacky eccentric, you know, so I want to know more about him. And then a friend of mine loaned me one of his books of predictions of Criswell predicts to the year 2000. Mm -hmm. And in it, he predicts that the world would end on August the 18th, 1999. So I was reading this book in the year 2000 after that date had passed. So, you know, he missed (laughs) his big prediction there. And then uh, and also just his predictions in that book were just just outrageous, you know, uh, just off-the-wall stuff. And I just said, you know, I need to know more about this guy.
0: <laughs> and anything in the book, because I've seen the book, but I've never actually looked through it before. Uh, mm-hmm. Was there anything that had the remotest... Uh, <laughs> the, that actually happened? Or no, Is all way off. Out of I, I mean,
1: loosely, okay. uh, some of his general predictions, he predicted that we would go away from... Uh, Hard money, you know, start using you know, electronic credit and things like that before that happened. Um, he claims that he predicted that uh, Kennedy wouldn't run for president for his second term because something would happen mm-hmm. in November. And but uh, he kind of made that claim after the fact. So um, okay. th- there was never anything that, you know, he was spot on. I get it.
0: Ever or just in this book? Because that was- uh, I would say ever. Oh, wow, that's really sad. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you know my dad uh, knew about Criswell because he grew up in the Los Angeles area, so he knew mm-hmm. the show and everything like that. And I used to ask him. I mean, did he ever get anything? Right or accurate, and my dad says, I don't think so.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I figured if you're doing the
0: research, you know, you might find well he was accurate mm-hmm. on this one thing, you know. Yeah. But-
1: um he claimed that he was uh, some act he claimed he had 80 per seven percent 87 accuracy, mm-hmm. and uh which I don't know how that was fact-checked or anything like that. Um so and then he would like on blurbs on his books. It would say things that after the fact that, oh, yeah, I did predict that this happened, would happen. So it was kind of an after the fact thing. Mm, Okay.
0: All right. I will ask more about him, but let me ask a little bit about you just to kind of find out. Why you wrote this book and everything like that? Had you, have you written any other books or yeah. anything like that? You no, know, this is my
1: first published book. Uh, and initially, when I started getting interested in Criswell, I wanted to write a screenplay similar to the Tim Burton's Ed Wood, kind of a mm-hmm. biopic of Criswell. And then um, I started working on that for a while, and I was like, well, maybe this would be better as a documentary. And then uh, kind of approached that way, pitched it a few times to different people. HBO, I have a very nice rejection letter from HBO. They're very nice about it. Um, and then I was just like, well, maybe I should do a book. And then um, I would, uh, as I f- would do research or find out new information, and as life permitted, I would work on it. And uh, then I and I pitched it a few times over the years, and then... Uh the pandemic gave me the opportunity because I knew that I would just need a, like two months at a time to sit down and do nothing but focus on it, do some more research, fill in some holes and uh, get it to a publishable, you know, publishable format. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what I did for uh, two months of the pandemic. And, and it worked out. I sent out a few pitches on it and it got picked up pretty quickly by Head Press Publishing. Oh. Wow. Very good.
0: So, all told, from when you originally had the concept of doing a film to getting the book completed, how long have you been, like, working on this?
1: Um, 23 years, because it was about the year 2000 when I started, like, on the original idea and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. But I would say 20 years of working on it, you know. And, of course, it was off and on. It wasn't like I was focused on it all (laughs) the time, you know. It was just when time afforded it, you know.
0: And did you start off just by... Finding people who knew him and stuff like that,
1: basically. I I I did, and I in of course around 2000 is the internet was starting to become more commonplace and things like that. And I started researching there, any kind of magazines, newspaper articles I could find, and then uh, I contacted people that had known him, uh, you know, through the internet. And uh, the internet was huge in the research over the past 20 years on it. Um, I started. Looking in, like, the news online newspaper archives uh, when I first started researching and found some pretty good information then. And then, on the last round, when I decided to finish it up, I got back on newspaper archive and it's just exploded how many more, how much more is there now. And it really helped fill in the holes and, you know, um, get it to a good place there. So, the internet was a big. You know, help and emails, you know, emailing people and things like that to get information. Mm -hmm.
0: I noticed that you got a lot of uh, newspaper ads of personal appearances Criswell made over the years and things like that. Um, uh, Just curiosity about him then. Um, I guess you can kind of tell me a little bit about him and how he ended up becoming this prophet as it were, Um, because it doesn't seem like, you know, in reading through the book that that's what was his original plan was. It looked like he was trying to be more of an actor or something else, you know, because he kind of dabbled in a lot of different things. So tell me a little bit about him.
1: Well, he was born in Princeton, Indiana on August the 18th, uh, 1907. And then um, after he finished up high school there, he went to Cincinnati and uh, got a teaching certificate because he wanted to be a teacher at that time. Um, and then that's kind of how he ended up with the name Criswell. His real name is Geron Charles King, and his mother's maiden name was Criswell. So somehow, though, on his teaching certificate, they ended up putting Geron Charles Criswell. And so he didn't want to mess with having to get the paperwork redone or whatever and just kind of stuck with that Criswell then at that point and then he um did a little bit of teaching in cincinnati he also claimed that he was an ambulance jockey things like that just whatever he could do Worked for some newspapers and things writing for newspapers and then uh in the mid-30s he moved to new york city and his plan then was to hit broadway become an actor become a star um and he developed a play based on the picture of Dorian Gray. And he would play Dorian Gray in some of the productions of it, off-Broadway plays. Um, and then um, he also claimed that at the time he worked in financial forecasting on Wall Street and did some radio work as well, more newspaper work and things. And uh, and then that he said that that was when he kind of started to predict Cause uh, he claims that at one point in New York, he made a prediction that, well, they ran out of financial news. And so he had to make up some things and he <laughs> made up some prediction, some random thing and something happened that was, you know, closely ra- related to that prediction. Hmm. And so, um, that kind of stuck with him then. And, um, so he didn't become the big star on Broadway that he thought he was going to be. Um, but he did write three books. Along with his uh, wife, who he met in New York doing off Broadway plays and stuff, and her desire was to become a Broadway, you know, star as well. Mm-hmm. And so they collaborated on three books on how to succeed on Broadway and in Tin Pan Alley and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because they really had no success. They were never even on Broadway. They, you know, they <laughs> were doing off Broadway stuff. Right. Um. But then in uh, 1940, uh, him and his wife, Halo Meadows, was her one of her names. She had many names like he did and was constantly changing them. Her original name was Myrtle Louise Stonecipher is her actual name. But she would go with names like Halo Meadows or Louise Howard. She wrote plays under the pen name of Louise Howard. Um, so, But in 1940, they decided to take their the dorian gray play on the road and then travel to hollywood and end up in hollywood and they they did they played some uh you know did the play across country and then when they got to hollywood they claimed themselves as broadway stars and you know <laughs> put on a production of the dorian gray play as well and one of those productions they had um a fellow named Norvell, the astrologer. He was an astrologer to the stars, yeah. kind of a, one of the early famous astrologers. And uh, he was in the play playing Dorian Gray. And um, so I think that's kind of started Chris to say, oh, okay, there's something in this, you know, astrology and things like that. And um, after they didn't do well in Hollywood, as far as the play goes, you know, it, played for a while, but they didn't, um, it didn't stick, um, didn't make them stars or anything. He started a spiritualist church Mm -hmm. and, um, which he would do out of their apartment. They would have meetings on Wednesdays and Sundays and things like that. And then he started getting more into that spiritualism and mediums and things like that. And, um, slowly started into the predictions, Mm -hmm. um, Then in the 50s after the war, after the war or during the war years is when he mostly did that, was the you know, get into the spiritualist church and stuff. And he would claim himself as Dr. Criswell or Reverend Charles King Criswell, things like that, constantly changing his name. Um so then in the early 50s, he did start writing predictions for newspapers and things like that, and that started kind of the his uh, popularity to a certain extent. He ended up getting a television show, early television in 1955 in Los Angeles, local show there, um, and that's really when he started um, going by Criswell and just going all in on the predictions. Um, he was also uh, selling Criswell's family formula vitamins <laughs> as well. That was uh, a, <laughs> and that's kind of how he started getting the airtime. Was he bought airtime to advertise the vitamins and then would do predictions as well wow okay yeah.
0: now um i know he was well i guess you could call him a celebrity but he, he, I'll, I'll phrase it this way so he met different people along the line like ed wood and uh he was friends with may west and things like that uh how did he come across these people is it because of the tv show or is it prior to that
1: um, it was a TV show was a lot of it. I think He met Ed Wood was a director for the television show for a short time and they had different directors for the show, but Ed Wood was one of them. So that's where they met. Um, he claims that he knew Mae West back in the Broadway days and that he was her publicist for a while then. And he may have been, but I haven't seen any record of that. But um, so then she moved to Hollywood, you know, as well. And um, and she was into spiritualism and astrology and mediums and channeling and things like that as well. So, uh, you know, she, um, you know, believed that he could foresee the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Was, was there any other, like, celebrities that consulted him on a regular basis that you found in your research or
1: no? Um no not really consulted him you know came to him for advice or anything uh he was friends with Vampira because of uh plan nine from outer space they met during that and they remained friends as well um he no he didn't ever really do that he didn't ever have people you know pay him to you know read their palm or anything like that and one of the reasons for that is that uh Astrology and fortune telling and things like that were illegal. They made it illegal and you could be fined for it. And Norvell actually had to go to court because he uh did a reading for an undercover policewoman. And so then he got charged with the fortune telling ordinance or you know, ordinance against fortune telling and that, uh paying a fine.
0: Was that in California
1: or New York? That was in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That was in Los Angeles. And that uh, was on the books for a long time. Um, And um people claim, you know, it, it was against their religious freedom and stuff, that they weren't able to do that. Yeah. So it eventually was taken off the books, the fortune telling
0: ordinance. Yeah. I was mm. going to say, because I've seen lots of fortune tellers around the state of California. <laughs> so I go, must have been removed at some point. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> excuse me. Um Let's see um did he do like i said i kind of thumbed through the book so some things are kind of a little spotty about um somewhere along the line it's you mentioned that he interviewed hg wells how did that come about
1: um that was in new york uh when he was working in newspaper in new york Uh um yeah that's when he interviewed him
0: and was it done for any particular publication or what was it? I was
1: never able to find any publication that had it. Uh, so, you know, it's another one of those things that he claims. So, you know, it, maybe <laughs> it did happen, maybe it didn't. And there was a quote from HUL saying something about Criswell foresees the future clearly or something like that. So, uh, you know, he was aware of him, you know, and then they probably did meet. Mm-hmm.
0: And, um You mentioned Fate Magazine. Did he write for Fate Magazine, too, or was it just a newspaper column?
1: He did write for Fate uh, for three or four issues. Um, He was going to be a regular feature, but it just kind of faded away. It never really happened. But he did have some articles in Fate. And there was also another science fiction pulp magazine called Spaceway Science Fiction, which he had some articles in as well. Uh, he eventually, his predictions were in the National Enquirer and all of those kind of tabloid uh, newspaper magazines as well in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And
0: did he write all these himself or did he have like a staff that helped him out or yeah. anything like that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, his wife claimed that she wrote a lot of them. Okay. Um, I think that he did the majority of the work. Um, I know his art director. Uh, for the television show her brother would was a typist for him for a while because he just got tired of typing so i guess he would dictate and uh, the young man would type them out for him um, he claimed in uh, some uh, newspaper trade publications there's listings for syndicated columns and in it he claims you know Criswell predicts column Criswell um, editor-in-chief and then uh, assistant editor a fellow named Charles Philip Wireman which i've never found any record of this guy and then in the articles he did in the spaceway science fiction magazines there was also two articles in there one was like a biography of criswell written by this Charles F Wireman but the writing style and everything was like identical to the way criswell wrote. so it was another name of him i think Right. So, but yeah, I think he did. And he did a lot in, considering all the newspapers and everything. Thousands, you know, tens of thousands probably of predictions.
0: Hmm. Now, did he uh, suffer any issues that, you know, like so- sometimes, uh, you know, certain people that are psychic or, you know, they'll do things like bending spoons or various supernatural type things. And then uh, somebody else will come along and declare them a fraud or something like that. Did, did he ever encounter anything like that, or is he generally accepted throughout his career as this is what he does and it's uh, all right? <laughs> it's okay. Well, uh,
1: yeah, I think he was generally just accepted. I think the majority of people saw it as it was an act, yeah. which you know, um, and he had a very commanding presence and voice and things, so people paid attention and listened. And that's one thing he claimed is you know, you wear nice clothes and speak with a strong voice, people are going to listen to you and they're going to believe what you say no matter what you say. Um there was times he kind of admitted that he was a fraud and that he, you know, that he couldn't. He says that he uh he had the ability to predict the future until he started making money for it. And then he <laughs> lost the ability. <laughs> but he kept doing it. Mm-hmm. And and the persona was not just when he was on stage or you know, anything like that or performing, he was Criswell all the time. He spoke that way, dressed that way, and just lived it, you know. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a character. Right. D-
0: did he have to do anything, whether it's acting or not, doesn't really matter, but did he have to do any special preparation or anything to do his predictions, or did he just come out and start
1: talking (laughs) he just came out and he was very matter of fact about it um and then uh he was on johnny carson and jack parr some of the late night shows as well and then there's a couple of uh videos of him on there and he has like three by five cards that he hasn't written down and he just sits down and says we're all interested in the future because that's where we're gonna be (laughs) and my first prediction is i predict blah 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 and then uh Carson would make a comment, then he'd flip the card and just, you know, read the next prediction that bed <laughs> bugs are gonna invade Omaha or something like that. And just very straight, you know, like this is what it is. And of course, Carson played it in Jack Parr as well, you know, as a joke. You know, they would Carnac get their little right. Yeah, deep yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And I think Karnak came from Criswell. You know, it was quite inspired. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um so uh Noticed also in uh reading through is sometimes some of his uh, Criswell's live performances he had them tailored specifically to have just women in the audience. So, how did he do tailor his performance for just an all female audience?
1: Well, um, he loved women, and I think he saw himself as a bit of a ladies' man. Although he, you know, I think he played both sides of the fence. I think he was bisexual (laughs) as well, uh, which caused some problems in his marriage. But he uh, respected women, loved women, and a lot of his predictions were focused towards women. You know, like, this is the fashions for next year, or this is what you're going to find in a husband, and things like that. And I think part of that is, you know, that they just, you know... (laughs) um, he just tailored it that way and i think that um you know and women enjoyed it you know Mm -hmm. okay um
0: and then uh i have never seen one of his tv shows to be honest but um my dad said he used to see it on occasion (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it was basically him sitting in front of a monitor just like i am just kind of saying his predictions um Do any of those shows still exist or, uh, you know, like on YouTube or anything
1: like that? Not any of his original Los Angeles show. I haven't Mm -hmm. been able to find any. Um, At that time, they really weren't recording them. The shows, they had like Kinescope, which was a very fragile, you know, format. And and I have read that that was used for syndication in some other markets, but I haven't been able to locate any of those. And then as far as the uh the stage setup was like that and like plan nine, how it opens with him sitting there at the desk. Right, you know, that's pretty much what the show looked like, you know, with the Criswell Predicts yeah. logo coming up and everything. And I think that, you know, came from Ed Wood's direction, you know, <laughs> since he helped direct the show as well at one point. Um there are some episodes of Carson, a couple on YouTube that have Criswell on there. Although a lot of those were lost as well, right? Because they recorded over videotape at the time, you yes. know, So there was a lot of Carson stuff that was lost.
0: Mm-hmm. How long did he, uh, did Criswell do his show?
1: Um, about three years total. Okay. Um, he was on from like 55 to 57, for two years there and then he did a little comeback in like 58 to 59 oh, on okay. a different station local station oh, there yeah that predates me
0: so that's why i was asking <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <me> uh, too. <laughs> yeah um so i was kind of curious about it but i kind of figured it would probably be similar to what we see in the intro and it would because mm-hmm. you know um now uh I know he's friends with Edward like what you're saying, but did he at that point Criswell think that uh, this is the beginning of a new career and did he try to become an actor more again or what happened at that point?
1: I, I think he did. I think he saw it that way that you know it was a way to you know become a, be, be a star and an actor. He did appear in uh, Edward's next film. It was originally called Revenge of the Dead. And it wasn't released during Ed Ed Wood's or Criswell's lifetime. And it wasn't released until like 86 or 87 Mm -hmm. under uh, Night of the Ghouls. And Criswell has a a little bit of a larger role in it. He he does the introduction as well. This time, though, rising up from a coffin. (laughs) And then he does the intro. And then he narrates. And then he appears at the end as a someone that's come back from the dead to exact revenge for the dead. And um, so a little larger role. Right. um, But that never got released. So, you know, that was probably, you know, (laughs) you know, his acting career didn't help him that much. Uh, He made one more film appearance in a film called Orgy of the Dead (laughs) that Ed Wood had written and uh, was directed by um, A.C. Stevens. Mm -hmm. and that was in like 65 and so that was his last film Parents, i see
0: and um i assume doing your research uh or you probably saw it anyway the tim burton ed wood film Mm -hmm. uh, do you see do you feel that the events of the movie and the portrayal were pretty accurate to criswell and everybody else or did they take some liberties with that
1: They took a little bit of liberties, but they were portrayed well. Um, And a lot of people, like there's some people quoted in the book talking about people that actually knew Ed Wood and knew Criswell and Vampire and things, and like the actors nailed the characters. They uh, did a great job portraying the characters. And of course it's, you know, it's not a factual actual you right. know account. right yeah. you know it's got a little bit of spin on it you know and things but i don't think that's I a, a, i don't see a problem with that you know that's just the nature of it mm-hmm. that uh it's, it's not going to be exactly accurate
0: okay because I, I, if memory serves i haven't seen Ed Wood movie for a while but um it seemed like once they all did those films they were kind of like a gang they kind of like if he was friends with vampires because of these films did they hang out just as friends just on a regular basis even when they weren't shooting films and things like that they
1: did edward and chris well hung out a lot together um and also paul marco who was in um playing nine from outer space as the scared cop He really? was also in night of the ghouls and he was in uh, bride of the monster as well and him and Criswell were really good friends. They hung around together a lot, you know, up until Criswell passed away in 1982, they were friends and they would go out to drink you know, to dinner and things like that and do some traveling together and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um Vampira, she would see occasion Criswell just occasionally. Um so um uh, but in the early days like when they were making the films, you know, they I they hung out together and party together and, you know, really did it up.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, like you said, you interviewed Vampyra, the actress who played Vampyra. Um, and uh, who were some of the other people you interviewed? And was it hard to track down people to interview?
1: <laughs> it was really hard to track down people. Um, one of the people I didn't get to interview was Paul Marco. Mm-hmm. I, I, Went to California for a a work project, and I had planned to meet with Paul and interview him uh, through a friend, and he passed away the day before I got there. (laughs) So I didn't get that interview. Um, But um, it was hard to track down people that were still around to do interviews, uh, but a lot of the people that I did that knew him, they uh you know were very helpful, you know, and very forthcoming and you know, would answer questions and do, you know, things like that. So um so yeah, the that's the only one that I, <laughs> I think it was like, oh I missed it, you know, by a day. Right. Not the Paul Marco interview. And did
0: I read correctly he was did Paul Marco before you tried to interview him, didn't he say that I, I like threaten a lawsuit or that you might get in trouble doing this book or something? What was that? About? Yeah. Uh, the
1: first time I contacted him, I called him on the phone because of my friend had given me, giving me his number. Right. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm working on this. And this is when I was doing it as like a biopic, you know, similar to Tim Bird's at wood. And uh, yeah, he uh, got real cranky and said, you don't have no right to do that. You never knew. I mean, you have, don't, you'll have to get the rights to do it. And And I was like, okay, uh, this isn't going well. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll (laughs) talk to you later. And he said, I'll talk to you later. And then hung up and then I didn't get to talk to him later. (laughs) Wow.
0: Now, did you ever consult with or talk to Tim Burton at all, or was that not necessary for
1: what? Yeah, well, I would have liked to, but it's hard to get a hold of. You know, hard to get I did speak with Jeffrey Jones, who per- portrayed Criswell in the Edward movie, briefly, right. um, and then he contacted me with a gentleman named Vern Langdon, mm-hmm. who uh, spent a lot of time in L.A., knew Mae West, and met Criswell through May West and things like that. So it was a good contact that way, you know, and that's how I got in touch with a few people was via other people, you know, they say, Hey, you should talk to so-and-so because they met him or they, you know, like him or, you know, are interested.
0: Right. Um, Going back to celebrities, you know, we mentioned Mae West and everything. There was also photos of him with, like, Liberace and stuff. Was he friends with him as well?
1: He was, yeah. And they hung out together quite a bit. Okay. Um, and then that, that kind of came from the television thing because Liberace was there in the early television uh, as well. Okay. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and they, uh, there's photos of, like, Liberace and Criswell and Liberace's mom, you know, at a fundraiser, things like that um another person was corla pandit who was an early television guy the turban and playing the mystic music stuff they were friends as well because of early television right Mm -hmm. i found
0: out just as an aside he was an indian he was uh, african-american yes (laughs) 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 which i don't think anybody knew back in the day but it was a it was some other show that was talking about it and and um because my dad mentioned my dad grew up in the southern california area mm-hmm. so he, you know he knew of all these little shows you know there's also like time for beanie and things like that and so you know he mentioned there used to be this indian guy that would play the organ and his name was corla Pandit. and i go what that doesn't it? you know they're desperate for tv i guess back then for different mm-hmm.
1: shows so yeah, those are the early days. They were just trying whatever to see, you know, what would stick, you know, what's going to bring in the viewers. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, um, what happened in uh, uh, Criswell's later career up until his death? I think he died in 1982. Is that correct? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's okay. correct. Yeah, 1982. Well, he kind of hung on tenuously to a celebrity, you know, through the 60s and early 70s, like I said, doing Carson and Jack Parr, then Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas shows. He did a lot of that. Um, He continued writing for newspapers, you know, his column was still in newspapers, national Enquirer, and things like that up through the seventies about the mid seventies to late seventies. When his health started failing, he had some strokes and things like that was uh, in a wheelchair for a time as well. So, and then, um, at that time, he was laying low, pretty much, you know, the last half of the 70s up until his death. But he stayed up active until, you know, as long as he could, you know, keeping the Criswell predictions going. Mm-hmm.
0: Did he ever have any l- later in life plans or was he just kind of content doing, you know, the columns and the predictions and the TV appearances and stuff like that?
1: I think he was content with that. He did make claims that he was going to travel across the country on a tour, uh, you know, uh, speech, you know, doing speeches and doing predictions, but I never found any hard evidence of that happening. You know, there's another one of his claims of things. Right. That he going to do. <laughs>
0: um, let me see what else I got in here is, so, um, I, I, uh, You've said most of the stuff that's on here. I, I actually printed out Wikipedia just in case that I need a little bit of help. Oh, with, you know, and it's kind of funny. Um, the The only other long time psychic that I can think of that kind of is similar to Creswell, but maybe not so. Campy, I guess, is the word. I don't know. Uh, and I think he's still with us, is the amazing Kreskin, you know, And mm-hmm. because I don't know how legit all of his predictions are either. But he, he did they ever encounter each other or anything like that? Or did he ever they, encounter any other psychics in his travels or anything they did over the years? <laughs>
1: no, Kreskin. I interviewed Kreskin for the book uh, quite some time ago, mm-hmm. and uh, he had never met him. He kind of saw him as just as an entertainment value, you know, like from, you know, being on Carson and things like that, that people really didn't take him seriously, didn't take Criswell seriously. And Creskin, he doesn't really do predictions. He considered himself a mentalist and maybe, you know, ESP a little bit and be able to read your mind and things like that. Um, So it's not really the same.
0: Well, here's something I can ask about. Um, it says right here that he recorded a long playing record, Your Incredible Future, and it was later released on DV, on CD. Uh, did you ever obtain a copy of that? And did it say anything any different than, say, like the predictions book or anything else you've read? Or is it more of the same?
1: It's a lot of the same. Uh, it came out in 1969, the same year as his first book. So a lot of the predictions and things, not all of them, but I'd say 50% of it are pretty much straight from the book. uh, That book of predictions from the same year. Um, Yeah, and I got the CD copy of it first off of eBay. um, And then eventually I got a copy of the album on the eBay auction as well. And actually eBay is where I found quite a lot of information in old magazines and newspapers, things like that, uh, photos and stuff like that. Uh, some of his books, and you can go on eBay and there's his books are listed on there as well. So eBay was kind of a research resource for this Good. as well. Mm-hmm.
0: And as far as photos go, uh, did you ever get any actual photos or was it just all from the Internet? Or uh, did somebody send you different things to use for the book?
1: Some of the photos I got, like I was saying, off of eBay, like uh, promotional stills and things like that. Some of him, like I mentioned earlier, of him and Liberace together, him and Eddie Fisher together. Yeah, Eddie Fisher uh, a backstage of photo of the at the television station, things like that. Pretty rare stuff there. And then um, a couple of other people contributed as well, photos. Um, a gentleman named Jason Insolesco, uh, he was Paul Marco's nephew, oh. and after Paul Marco passed away, he ended up with all this stuff, and Paul Marco <laughs> saved everything, pretty much, so there was a lot of good photos that came out of that, uh, a lot of photos of Criswell and, um, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul Marco together as well, and, uh, and then um, a couple of the photos are from the state of Kathy Wood, Ed Wood's um, wife uh, as well. So, um, and there's a lot of original stuff there that, you know, it, not you're not going to find them on the internet, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Did Criswell have any children or anything or no?
1: No, they never had any children, him and his wife. Okay. And uh, he was pretty much the end of his line, um, you know, his mm-hmm. of his side of his family.
0: And what, what was she like, the, the, his wife? I mean, did she... Uh... Uh, did she I don't know much anything about her really. So did she pass away before or after him?
1: Um, after him okay and she they separated in uh, about 1972 and around that time her uh, father passed away hmm. and she was from Pennsylvania and so she went back to Pennsylvania and her father was fairly well to do uh, in the town they lived in called Littleston. Pennsylvania. And so she moved back and moved into the family home then mm-hmm. and left Criswell for 20 years prior to that, from the mid 50s. They had a fourplex apartment complex in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, There's like Selma and Cherokee Avenue there, uh, which they lived in for quite a while. But she moved back east. He stayed in the apartments until she sold it because it was actually owned by her. Mm. Um, so and then um, after that, after she left, he and sold the apartment building. He <clears throat> started living with an employee of his, uh, and it was also his chauffeur as well. And so he was; they were cohabitating there up until his death.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, did she remarry at all, or no?
1: No, no. Okay. She, okay. Uh, she she just moved them. back to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And did they
0: actually actually get a divorce, or did they just separate?
1: she divorced him oh, okay and i think part of that was because i think she was fearing that if she passed away before chris that you know he would end up with her inheritance i think that was part <laughs> of the it was a financial divorce yeah
0: sounds like it um so um uh this book uh who publishes it and uh, you said you went around to different publishers i mean Was overall the reception good and you just ended up where you ended up? Tell us us how you got the book uh, sold to a publisher, as it were.
1: (laughs) Well, like I said, I took like two months during COVID. And I said, okay, after this two months, I'm going to start sending out the proposals to publishers. Mm -hmm. And I sent out about 15 proposals and got three responses back. Um, One was from a major publisher who said, okay, you know, change this, do this and things like that. And, uh, send it back to us and we'll have a look at it. Um, another publisher said, yeah, I might be interested. And then the publisher I ended up going with was head press, right. It's called head press and they're out of the UK. Um, and he gave me a lot of the same editorial advice as that major publisher, but, um, and also a better offer financially as well. Whereas the major publisher affer- offered no advance, nothing. And at least the head press offered an advance. And uh, I really liked working with Dave Karekas, the editor. He was really helpful on, you know, just shaping it up into something that, you know, could be published and good editorial advice as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I have one thing published by head press. It wasn't really directly related <laughs> I did a book on Cracked Magazine once. Oh, yeah. uh, And uh, they uh, did an interview with me. So it was a different book, but it was published by Head Press. So that's my peripheral little connection to Mm that. Um, So I was aware of the publisher when you said that. Um, uh, So um, uh, if people were to get your book, how how do they uh, get your book?
1: They can go um, Amazon's the quickest and easiest. And right now, I think it's a, like a dollar fifty off the cover price, which uh, the cover price is twenty seven ninety five, and I think it's twenty five something right now. So there's a slight discount on Amazon on it right now. Um, you know, that's the easiest way you can order it through Barnes and Nobles. Most any bookstore can order it, um, and then you can also go to the Head Press website. They have a special edition hardback copy available from Head Press there. Um, and is it
0: available? Uh, like all formats, then hardback, paperback, ebook?
1: Yes, mm-hmm. and Kindle. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. The hardback, though, is only available through the Head Press website. Got it. You know, bordered through them.
0: Okay. And then are you making any personal appearances to publicize the book other than on a podcast like this? <laughs> um, I've been
1: trying. Uh, it's <laughs> tough. Um, I don't know if well is just not enough of the part of the zeitgeist. Oh. You know, that's needed to because I've contacted a lot of bookstores and tried to set up some signings and things, and nothing's really panned out yet. So, uh, I did do a book release party in Hollywood at Bordeners mm-hmm. there, uh, the day after the book came out, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so,
0: Actually, but yeah, well, I'm working no- on it. What you might try is uh, some of the horror conventions because,
1: you mm-hmm. know, since it
0: has the connection to Ed Wood and things like that, I think people would be interested for that reason. So yeah, that's um, a good idea. Uh, yeah. You know, there's different ho- magazines that are distributed at Barnes and Noble that you know like uh room org and uh monster well monster bash doesn't come out there but uh, monster memories and all mm-hmm. these different ones scary monsters and you know uh even today i was over there and they uh have a new issue of uh castle of frankenstein <laughs> oh <laughs> but, wow you know, it's a different <laughs> publisher a different editor from the old version mm-hmm. but you know yeah. But they always promote different uh um horror movie conventions and things like that that are around the country so
1: yeah look into that the the whole horror monster kid thing is really blowing up right now like yes. you know all those magazines you mentioned you know there's just more and more of them there's tons of those out there now and yeah. becoming well, very popular
0: for me that's the only type of magazines i still buy because right. <laughs> you know, i mean they get magazines are pretty expensive these days but yes. i love you know i love those you know the old photos and everything like that so mm-hmm. i'm willing to splurge 10 bucks or whatever for yeah you know, some new stuff um where are you located
1: yeah. i'm in phoenix arizona oh wow I didn't I live. Yeah. That. Okay. <laughs> yeah. i'm originally from oklahoma i grew oh, up in okay. oklahoma city and i've been living in phoenix here for about the last five years got it okay
0: And um, now that this book has come out, hopefully you can drum up business and make it a success. But uh, do you have any other book ideas that you've contemplated since this?
1: I do. I have a few ideas working. I have one. uh, I'm probably about halfway through it right now working on it. I've got some interviews to do for it as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, is it something you can disclose or is it still secret? You don't have to
1: mention Sure. Yeah. I can disclose it. I don't know okay. if it's going to, you know, if I'll ever sell it, I've pitched it a couple of times to an agent and stuff. And he said, no, nope, nobody was going to buy this, you know, but it's about John Gilmore, who was a LA writer. He wrote a book called laid bear where uh, he claims that he had sex with James Dean. He wrote a couple of other James Dean books. He wrote a book about Marilyn Monroe. He wrote a book about Charles Manson uh he's called a true crime noir writer um and i met him through um my research for Criswell. he claimed that he knew ed wood and vampyra and Criswell and all of these things and sent me some really good stories which are in the book but uh in later years i started to realize that i think he made those stories up that that (laughs) it didn't actually happen (laughs) um So that intrigues me about him. And I I had dinner with him one night, super nice guy, pretty helpful, you know, and things like that. Um, But, you know, he made these claims that he was friends with James Dean, intimate with James Dean and things like that. And um, I found no evidence that he he may have met James Dean one time, you know, and that's about it. And he makes a lot of other claims of, with celebrities and things like that that he knew him intimately and things like that, and he was a he, he proclaimed to be a you know nonfiction writer, but I think a lot of it was fiction. You know, he kind of <laughs> made up these stories. So um, too bad. <laughs> that's a project I'm wor- working on right now. Okay, uh, like I said, I don't know, you know, if it'll sell. <laughs> Never know. I mean, if you yeah.
0: you know, I've seen different books on different subjects, but it's always. You know how well you write them and you know sometimes sure. it works you know mm-hmm. um you know looking through the Criswell book you know it's like i i like that format you know where you just have you know story and then some interview clips and then more story and, you know mm-hmm. then uh predict some of his predictions you know and you made it easy to read by having it like in a different font and stuff like that so i don't know if you're were in charge of the formatting, or if that was uh, something Head Press suggested, or how'd that work?
1: Well, no, that was kind of the way I wrote it because I like that format as well. Uh, okay. There's the Ed Wood biography, Nightmare of Ecstasy, and it was kind of like that. It was basically though just quotes, you know, from people, you know, from interviews and things like that, and it kind of told the story of Ed Wood that way. And I like that format, and I also like having, you know, the you know, newspaper quotes, things like that, short little stories. And things. And it, I think it makes it an easier read. I, I think instead of just text, 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 you know, like, right. you know, and it makes it a little more fun to read. And you can jump around in it, too. You know, you could open it up and go, OK, read this little bit. You know, you don't have to follow it along. Mm-hmm. Um, although and i've seen that format head press released another book recently called who cares anyway it's a history of uh san francisco punk rock Mm -hmm. and uh it's kind of in the same format as well Mm
0: -hmm. okay well i don't know if i have any more questions but i'll i'll have you do one last plug so what is the full title of the book and we already said where you get it but uh (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's called Fact Fictions in the Forbidden Predictions of the Amazing Criswell. All right. Uh, my name is Edwin Lee Canfield. So if you just look that up on Amazon, you'll find it there. Okay. Yep.
0: And um, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you if they had questions or anything like that, what's the best way to do that?
1: Um, I'm on. Uh, I have a uh, Forbidden Predictions on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All the major Social media platforms and they could message me on there. And uh, yeah, I'd be glad you're uh, one thing is that I I'm getting more information about Criswell now that the book is out. People read and go, oh, yeah, I knew him. or I knew somebody that knew him or I have this story. So it's kind of the stories keep coming in. Right, You know, and that's one thing I was hoping would happen, you know, that I'd find out even more after they put the book out.
0: Well, do you think if you get enough information, you might do a second uh, revised version or maybe a different book?
1: I would like to do a revised version. I think a revised version would be good, and I could think, you know, I've pretty much got enough right now that I could do one, you know, but it's a little early. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but look, it's only been it out happens. for a few I, months you know, now, so a little early to do a yeah, revision so already. The book and it's like, no, more information. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> stop you know, wait. Hold the, stop know, the yeah. presses. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, that, I would hope to do that at some point with all the new information as well. Very good. Um, I hope it's
0: I won't ask you to reveal that, but, you know, it's like I hope it's like something really good that would justify a second printing you know
1: some of it Yeah, mm-hmm. they yep. I've already found out is mm-hmm.
0: all right well you know I wanted to thank you for being my special guest Ed Canfield and oh, thank uh, you. you know I didn't really know much about Chris Wells so you know with your book as it is and you know uh with our little discussion here you know um, you know I'm gonna have to investigate him further <laughs>
1: sure great
0: all right. Well, I want to thank you for being a guest today on the Fun Ideas Podcast. Thanks for podcast. having me. And uh, we will see you next time on Fun Ideas Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Ed Canfield, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 218 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew, the slow poisoner, Goldfarb, and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022, Fun Ideas Productions.